Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The destination is on your right. Hi, Joanne. It's humid. It's very humid. Violence, suffering, and death are never more sobering than when juxtaposed with an exceptional human being so much life left to live. Nice to meet you. Let me give you a hug. Okay. I'm a little sweaty. That's okay. That's okay. As with many unsolved homicides, there is a face attached to this case. It's one you're likely familiar with. The ostensible girl next door, smiling, laughing, making those around her feel loved, full of joy and light one day, and the next... Nothing more than a mention on the nightly news or a faded memory on a piece of paper 
handed out to strangers and posted yeah. in grocery store windows. Yes, yes I so agree. You've had, you've, okay, you've got coffee, you've got, you've got everything you need. Yeah, I'm all set. How is traffic coming down? The voice uh, in unsolved cases, well, yeah, that is a different story. Victims can no longer speak for themselves, which leaves it up to others to speak for them. My name is M. William Phelps. I'm an investigative journalist and author of more than 40 true crime books. This is Season 3 of Paper Ghosts, In Plain Sight. Thank you. So you live on a golf course. Do you play golf? Joanne Zawicki is an outspoken, kind-hearted woman. Petite, with white hair, she could be anyone's grandmother. Quite the conversationalist, Joanne never runs out of things to discuss, especially when it concerns her only daughter, Tammy Jo Zawicki, whose murder 30 years ago still remains unsolved. Let me just go get my uh, case. It's the reason why I paid Joanne a visit over the summer. Can I have something for you? Uh, no, I think I'm, I got it. We spent countless much. hours talking on the phone, but this would be our first time meeting face to face. Barely nine o'clock, and it's not ninety degrees already. My husband didn't like the heat. We don't get this kind of heat. This is unusual. Joanne has lived in a modest, single-family home in Central Florida for the better part of 23 years, seven of which have been spent alone after her husband Hank passed away in 2015. She keeps busy, often talking to neighbors, helping them with everyday chores, or watching the golfers play on the course outside her window. Inside, family photos dot the walls. Some of Joanne with her late husband, others of her many grandchildren, and a handful of her daughter, Tammy. You see the pictures up there? I do. I do see the pictures. That was at the beach. That was our, that was all of us at the beach. And then there's the picture with Tammy and me. Nearly every photo of Tammy Zawicki shows her smiling ear to ear. Her golden blonde hair, always with bangs, often fluctuated in length. Her green eyes, always protected by a pair of round, amber, wireframe glasses. There's a sentimental yet somber tone in Joanne's voice whenever she talks about Tammy. You can hear the pain is still very real and very much present. I've had people say to me, why do you keep her picture around? Why don't I keep the picture around? Yeah, why wouldn't you want to not remember her? People were, I don't know, they don't think in those terms. I try not to focus on things too too strongly. I try to just live from day to day, look for the good things in life and forget about the other things. What got you interested in all this? Well, my brother's wife was murdered um, and she was five months pregnant. She was strangled to death. It's an unsolved case. Oh my God. That was in 1996. That had to be terrible. What's driven me is helping families find answers mm -hmm. and telling family stories. You know, with every murder, there's a ripple effect. Right. 
And that ripple effect still keeps going to this day. I can see it on your face. It, it, it does. I, I, it's there. It does. I was first introduced to Joanne by a man named Robert Cutleric. He's one of the administrators of the Who Killed Tammy Zawicki Facebook group. In 2017, a member of the group, familiar with my work on cold cases, reached out to ask if I would look into what happened to Tammy. In any given month, I received dozens of messages from people across the country looking for help in a loved one's missing or murder case. There's an endless number of reasons why certain cases appeal to different people. For me, it's the possibility of developing new information, the opportunity to help a family when no one else will. And even though it's been 30 years, Tammy's case seems solvable to me. I wouldn't even be here talking to you now, though, if it wasn't for Robert. Robert Cutleric has been helpful and is someone who's become a source of support for Joanne over the years. He has an encyclopedic knowledge of the case and actually grew up one town over from where the Zwickys lived in New Jersey, but says he didn't get interested until years later. I was just bored with what I was doing and it popped into my head. So I went to this relatively newfangled thing called the Internet. The reason why I was looking it up was because I wanted to see if it had been solved, and it hadn't. He just called me, and he said, you know, he was interested in finding out more information. I mean, he didn't know Tammy. He was scrutinized by the police and a lot of other people because he didn't know Tammy, and yet he got real involved in it, you know, with the whole thing. Did you think it was weird at the beginning when he called? Yeah, I did. I mean, I was very careful to begin with. What did you think of him when you met him? He was easy to talk to, and he knew a lot, and he'd been following the case. And I was careful, you know, I was I was wondering, you know, you, you just, you don't say, okay, this guy's really somebody I want to really get involved with. I was, I was cautious. What was his interest in the case? Just a young girl. He had seen the pictures in the paper and the things like that, and he thought it was so terrible that it happened. And at first, I don't know what he wanted to do. He was about the same age as she was, and it really just hit him hard. And uh, he was just interested in the story, and then it just kind of revolved from there. An archaeologist by trade, it's in Robert's nature to dig and patiently uncover information. I started collecting every scrap of newspaper article there was on the case and trying to get a picture of what happened. He's not alone. Thousands of people, including many who never met Tammy, have tried for years to understand what happened to her. As for me, my approach is to not follow that lead, to truly serve an unsolved murder case in an investigative fashion, not to mention honor the victim respectfully within that process. I need to think beyond the box. What I mean is, if I were to go down the same rabbit holes everyone else has explored for the past 30 years, I would be doing nothing more than spinning my wheels, rehashing old information. What I need to consider is, within all that law enforcement has done, and within all the theories presented, there is undoubtedly a different direction to explore in finding the answer to this mystery. In my experience talking to detectives from around the country, murder is not that complicated a riddle to solve. The simplest answer often is the answer. 
the key is knowing where to look for it. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It was nearing the end of summer, 1992. And 21-year-old Tammy Jo Zawicki was getting ready to start her final year at Grinnell College, a private liberal arts school in Iowa. She was double majoring in art history and Spanish and spent most of her free time doing the thing she loved most, taking pictures. Tammy spent the summer at her family's house in Marlton, New Jersey, a relatively quiet suburb just half an hour east of Philly. Her oldest brother, Todd, was working at a law firm in Atlanta, but her two other brothers, Darren and Dean, were back home with her. She was fresh off a semester abroad in Spain and spent those few months back in the States working part-time at local stores, taking photos, and hanging out with friends. Well, it was just a busy time. Tammy, she was at home, and she was an organizer, so she organized everything. And she fixed her room the way she wanted it to be when she came back home again. Don't anybody change it around. That's my room. Stay out, was what she told the boys. And she had visited a lot of her friends and just really enjoyed her time there. 
she had one more year left that she was heading right into her senior year. Jen Nelson was Tammy's closest friend. They first met at Grinnell College three years earlier when Jen was a student advisor assigned to help Tammy on her first day of school. We had talked about the possibility of finding a place to find jobs and be roommates together. Jen says they'd made plans to see each other as much as possible. At the time, she was living in Chicago, where Tammy would spend the fall semester studying photography at the Art Institute. We were excited about her semester in Chicago. Since I had already graduated and was back in Chicago, I was looking forward to getting to spend time with her while she was here for the semester. On the morning of August 21st, Tammy and her brother Darren packed up Tammy's white Pontiac T-1000 hatchback. The plan was for Tammy to drive Darren back to his college campus in Illinois, then to drive to her own school in Iowa, where she'd visit with friends and take photos for the yearbook before heading back to Chicago to start her semester. They were excited about getting back to school and getting back in with their friends and everything because, you know, their friends, once you're in college, your friends are all over the country. Tammy and Darren left New Jersey and headed west to Pittsburgh, where they spent the night with relatives. From there, the two drove roughly 500 miles, about eight hours, to Evanston, Illinois, where Darren would be dropped off to start his sophomore year at Northwestern University. It was a route Tammy was familiar with, having driven it with her dad once before, except this time there were issues with the car. Her brother Darren would later say in an interview that they experienced engine problems since leaving New Jersey. The engine would decelerate, the oil light would flicker, and when they'd pull over, the engine would shut off. The car stalled a few times during the trip, but Darren said it was running fine once he topped off the oil and water. Were they calling along the road, Darren and Tammy? Were they checking in with you? Yeah, not not a whole lot, but they checked in from time to time. Do you remember anything she said? Just that they were on the road and that, that they didn't have much traffic and everything seemed to be going okay. Tammy also spent that night in Evanston at the home of a friend she had met in Spain the previous semester. The next morning, she went over to see Darren one last time before heading out to Grinnell. Darren said he checked the car and told Tammy that if it started acting up again, she should pull over and wait until evening to let the engine cool down. There was no reason for Darren to worry about his older sister. Tammy was tough. She was savvy. She had this, I can take care of myself attitude. She learned to fend for herself because her brothers, they didn't give her much room. Three brothers. <laughs> Three brothers, yes. I, she was tough. They made her tough. She wasn't afraid of anybody or anything. She lived pretty well the way she wanted to. At around one in the afternoon on Sunday, Tammy said her goodbyes to her brother on Northwestern's campus. The drive to her own school would take no more than five hours. When do you begin to worry? When I wasn't getting a hold of her, because she was pretty dependable for calling us. It was unusual that she didn't call, because she would check in. What's the plan? Is she supposed to call you when she gets there? Yeah, and she didn't call. So then I started calling around campus because she should have been there by then. It's hard for anyone to say what exactly happened after Tammy Zawicki left her brother's school. But here's what's been pieced together in the years that followed. Tammy was about two hours into the drive when her car broke down along I-80 
in LaSalle County, Illinois. She was stranded near mile marker 83 on the westbound side of the highway. Witnesses reported seeing a young woman matching Tammy's description looking under the hood of her car a little after 3 p.m. If you're standing on the side off the side, you can, it's amazing how fast those cars are going, standing there. Marty McCarthy is a former Illinois State Police investigator who spent years looking into the Tammy Zawicki case. If you've been on uh, 80 cars are just zooming down, there is nothing there but cornfields for miles and miles. It's and trucks. Of, and trucks. Oh, <laughs> trucks all over. It's a main artery. And uh, they are less capable of stopping, obviously, than cars. And so people may have noticed this really blonde girl, young girl next to her car and maybe wanted to stop and help her. But it would have been, by the time making that recognition and stopping and pulling off, you know, uh, it just didn't happen. Many people did notice Tammy on the side of the road that day. While I was looking into her case, a source provided me with the official tip sheet from the earliest part of the Illinois State Police's investigation. On Sunday, August 23, 1992, dozens of people claimed to have seen Tammy standing near her car for close to an hour after 3 p.m. By 4 p.m., Several eyewitness accounts reported seeing just the car on the side of the road. No signs of Tammy. Then at 5.05 p.m., a state trooper found the hatchback. It was locked. So he tagged it and marked it as an abandoned vehicle. By Monday afternoon, it had been towed. As far as the police were concerned, Tammy was an adult who likely took off on her own. It's just a banned car. It's, it's an adult? Adult, college girl, state police, things like that. That's just not going to get on their radar, and, and rightly so. And I mean, It just happens. At the beginning of the summer, I took a trip out to LaSalle County in Illinois to see the site myself. I parked by mile marker 83 around the same time of day as Tammy had and recorded what I heard. Out of every 10 vehicles that passed by, at least six were 18-wheel tractor-trailer type trucks. The shoulder of the road where Tammy pulled over is so narrow that if you stretch your arm up, you can nearly touch the cars as they whiz by. If you remove the cars, there's not much else. Just thousands of acres of farmland. The closest exit ramp with a gas station and payphone was two miles away. Plus, the Midwest in the summer in the middle of the day. It's hot. On the day Tammy's car broke down, the temperature was in the 80s. At best, passing Tammy on the side of the road at 70 to 80 miles per hour, you had seconds to assess the situation. Standing there in the same spot as Tammy did 30 years earlier made it easy for me to understand why the sight of even one vehicle stopping to help might be a godsend. But still, would she have just taken anyone's offer for help? Was Tammy the type of person who would trust somebody to help her? Or would she be yeah. standoff? Cautious, very cautious. Very cautious. Very cautious, yeah. So she wasn't naive in any no. way? No, Tammy was by no means naive. And she had the three brothers. They didn't give her much more than an inch of anything. And we moved, and she had to... 
get to know new people all the time. She was very cautious with people. Police frequently categorize these types of situations as runaway cases. And to their credit, that often ends up being the scenario. But Tammy's friends and family refused to believe that she'd just taken off. It would have been out of character. What's the first indication that you heard of that something might have been wrong? I was back then in Charlottesville to get ready to start my final year of law school, and I got a call from either my mom or dad at the time. That's Todd Zwicky, Tammy's eldest brother. And they said, have you heard from Tammy? We can't find Tammy. People just thought they just didn't know where she was, what might be going on. The police were not alarmed. And so at that point, I thought, oh, that's weird. And they basically said, well, if you hear from her, let us know. Not a big alarm at that point. And then um, it was within a day or two later when she hadn't turned up that um, things got more urgent. A little over 24 hours had passed before Tammy Zawicki was identified as the owner of the Toad Pontiac. It wasn't until the car's registration was entered into a database that word finally got back to Hank and Joanne Zawicki that their daughter may have been last seen in LaSalle County, Illinois. A missing persons report was immediately filed with the Illinois State Police, and both Hank and Joanne packed their bags and headed in that direction. That's when I hopped on a plane and, uh, and flew out there. Hearing that the Zwickys dropped everything and immediately went to Illinois gave me a better understanding of how close-knit the family was. They were not just another family in denial of a troubled daughter. If the Zawickis were uprooting their entire lives and hightailing it out to the Midwest, they knew something wasn't right. We all met in Chicago. We were staying with our friend's parents, and then I joined them pretty soon after that to try to help, try to figure out what was going on and just help any way I could. We had central control in my dining room. That's Jen Nelson, Tammy's closest friend, who you heard earlier. The dining room table had maps out of Illinois and Iowa, and we were coordinating groups that were searching different areas and getting reports back in when people would return from searching. For the next week, the Zwicky's new home base was with Jen Nelson's family in Chicago. They'd make the 90-minute drive back and forth to LaSalle County every day to meet with local law enforcement. The Zwicky's were not doing well. None of us were. It was getting worse and worse to think about what could, what could be happening to her and why we hadn't been able to find her. And I think the longer it goes on, the more likely you are to get bad news. And you know that and it weighs you down. So what do you guys do next? What are you feeling? What's going on? Well, you just you don't feel anything. You just kind of do and hope. That's the whole thing. You hope that... Maybe she's just stopped someplace and just uh, forgot to call, had car trouble, something like that. But then as each day went by, then it, you know, you, you lost hope. And what did you think then? I didn't think. I didn't know what to think. I was just blank. Numb. Numb. That feeling when you know that her car had been abandoned on the road and towed away was what let go of any little hope that she had walked off for help and found help, you know, or that, you know, we knew at that point that something really bad had happened. And our hope was that she was alive and we could find her. 
but we knew that whatever situation she was in was in a really dangerous one. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By August 25th, two days after Tammy disappeared, a massive search effort was underway. The Illinois National Guard had helicopters flying over the area where Tammy was last seen on the side of Interstate 80. State police canine units searched acres upon acres of ground. Roadblocks were set up on interstates. We opened the investigation because the car was recovered and she was nowhere to be found. Tim Ely is a former FBI agent. He was nearly a decade into his 23-year career with the Bureau when he was assigned to work the Tammy Zawicki case. We opened a kidnapping case and not knowing where she was, what happened to her. And so uh, we uh, worked the case as much as we could. So we had no clue where she was. Didn't know where to begin looking. The ISP now, they have a special investigative unit who are also looking into this. And are you guys working together? What we had was we had kind of a gentleman's agreement. They would cover all leads in the state of Illinois. We would cover the out-of-state leads. So the two meshed 
And that was the general agreement we had with the state police. And were they good about it? Very much so. They put a couple of seasoned investigators on the case, and they did a good job in covering leads. It was a good task force. One of those investigators was Marty McCarthy, who became part of that new task force created by the Illinois State Police. After getting his start with the local police department, he worked for the Illinois Bureau of Investigation, which he describes as the state's version of the FBI. He left that to join the FBI, but returned to the ISP's investigative division because he wanted to work on Tammy's case. Asked to come back to work this case and was really kind of shocked to see what the state of investigation was. This is my personal opinion, of course. Right. The state of uh, investigation was uh, at that time. The people I've spoken to are generally split in their views of how law enforcement handled this case. FBI agent Tim Ely gave the task force top marks. Marty's opinion is different. It makes him a polarizing figure in the community. But if you know nothing else about Marty, know this. He is unafraid to speak his truth. And in his opinion, the investigation was a mess from day one. They merged us under his umbrella, a separate division. But the state police bureaucracy was in charge of us, as they had not been before. Okay. They are, in my view, basically a highway patrol, and they do that, and that's their emphasis. And they told me a number of times that they just don't see investigation as a specialty. They'll tell you that. They see, well, the troopers investigate traffic accidents. It's not the same thing. They didn't believe that. And, in fact, would put guys at lieutenant, captain level in charge of investigative units who had never worked a case in their life. Marty's assessment of how the Illinois State Police operated at the time echoes what I've heard from Tammy's own family. As her brother, Todd, explained to me, the Zawickis had to fight to convince law enforcement that Tammy wasn't a runaway. My parents spent a lot of time talking to the press, but also talking to the police to kind of keep the pressure on them not to give up, right? Number one. But number two, also, frankly, to be a little more aggressive about what they were doing. For quite some time, they defaulted to the proposition that this was a missing persons type thing, right? Or that maybe she had run off with a boy or something like that. And so there was less of a degree of urgency. And my parents kept kind of saying, look, that's not who she is. We know her. She didn't do that. She's missing. They had a lot of those interactions uh, with the police. But I think that was something that added to their anxiety and frustration as well. They just kept telling us from the beginning, she'll, she'll be back, she'll be back. What are the police telling you about what happened at this point early on? They don't know. They don't know. They have no clue. They give you no information. Nope. I had a lot of problems with the Illinois State Police. What kind of problems? Communication problems. They just didn't want to talk to you? No. We'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. It took over a week before the Zawickis were told anything of substance a lead from one of the eyewitnesses that finally pushed the investigation forward. One of the witnesses saw a tractor trailer with an orange stripe, and so we had a poster drawn up and distributed that, trying to find the truck. On day eight, investigators announced they were looking for a white, five-axle, semi-tractor trailer with two brownish-orange, rust-colored diagonal stripes on both the truck and trailer. 
we felt we at least had something to work with in terms of a truck. And because if you've been on the Interstate 80, you know, they're just a million trucks with different different logos and, and names on the tractor trailers and whatnot. A drawing of the truck in question was released to the public. Within hours, students at Grinnell and Tammy's friends from around the country rushed to get new flyers with the image printed and distributed to the public. We conducted about a few miles down the road as a gas station, a service center. We interviewed people there. We interviewed, there's a town of Peru, Illinois. There's a truck stop with a restaurant. We interviewed truck drivers at the truck stop. And we did the, the best we could with what we had to work with, but we didn't have much to work with. In the state of Illinois, I believe I'm correct when I say this, the scales are closed on Sundays. So we had no record of trucks being on the interstate. Authorities also announced that they had a person of interest. Based on tips from eyewitnesses, they were looking for a white male, about six feet tall, with dark, bushy hair, who appeared to be talking to a young blonde woman resembling Tammy on the side of I-80 on the date and time in question. Local police said the man may have been the last person to talk to Tammy, but were adamant he wasn't a suspect, just someone they wanted to speak with. It was the biggest lead to date, a solid description of both a vehicle and a person of interest. It gave Tammy's friends and family a much needed boost of hope and gave law enforcement a flood of new tips. Everybody's looking for the semi-truck with this unusual pattern. Now, the phones are ringing off the hook. They can't even get out of the office. I'm following the truck right now. I'm in North Carolina. I, got, I know where it is. I know, you know. And so the emphasis came on Semi-truck, 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 semi-truck. From that point forward, the investigation developed blinders. Blinders that obstructed any law enforcement's view beyond chasing this truck tip. And more importantly, any possibility that maybe, just maybe, there was more than one solid lead to chase. The major lead, the only human being ever seen with her by the best witness who slows down and is positive that that's Zwicky on the side of the road, recognizes the car. The best was blown off from day one. That tip, which today lives just on an old crumbled piece of paper, completely changed how I approached this investigation, which made me a firm believer that the answer to Tammy's murder has been staring at law enforcement all along. The lead is blown right there. This is my view. This is the killer. This season on Paper Ghosts. It felt like if anybody had a chance of surviving that, it would have been Tammy, and she didn't. It always got me that, that they never did call me or anything, you know, after I found her. It was never clear at the time why they completely ruled him out as a suspect. It's disturbing to me that the police were not able to get more information early on. I don't think at this point in time, for as long as this has been an unsolved case, that anything can be discounted or should be discounted. It's a needle in a haystack. It's a whodunit. You know, that's what we got here is a whodunit. If you are enjoying Paper Ghosts, please listen to my other podcast, Crossing the Line with M. William Phelps, where I use the same storytelling elements you've heard in Paper Ghosts and cover missing person and murder cases.
Paper Ghosts is written and executive produced by me, M. William Phelps, and iHeart executive producer, Christina Everett. Additional writing by our supervising producer, Julia Weaver. Our associate producer is Darby Masters. Audio editing and mixing by Christian Bowman and Abu Zafar. Our series theme, number 442, is written and performed by Thomas Phelps and Tom Mooney. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.